0: All right, well, we apologize. I know it's a a long time coming. This is the second edition of the damn podcast, and I'm apologizing because, well, Angie Machado we told the people two weeks ago that this was going to start to be a weekly trend. However, because I'm a moron, I forgot that I had family in town, so we had some obligations. I had some obligations pop up last week. I apologize for missing the damn podcast, but I promise you from here on out, it is going to be a weekly Oregon State-exclusive podcast previewing Oregon State's games, talking a little Pac-12 as well, some of the storylines that pop up. But welcome to the second episode of the damn podcast.
1: Yeah, family in town. I go on vacation. It's been a little crazy. But, um, yeah, we are set now, Brandon,
0: set. Yeah, I I, I think listeners deserve to hear that uh, kind of behind the scenes. Angie was asking me, "Is like, hey, what day did we want to do it this week? And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't do it this week, and I'm so sorry. And she didn't say so. But I'm telling you, listeners, you should. I, I could just feel that Angie Machado was inc- incredibly devastated last week.
1: Crushed. Crushed.
0: <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about with Oregon State football, as we are about a week away from week one. Cal-Hawaii is going to be this Friday, and then the following Thursday. Next Thursday, Oregon State kicks things off against Minnesota in uh, Minneapolis. So let's, let's just start. Let's get into it. Let's start with running back depth. Uh, a lot of questions. We got some really good questions as well. We'll answer those on this edition of the Damn Podcast. Uh, but let's start with running back depth. Uh, Angie, I'm curious. First of all, how you felt about running back depth before camp started, and second of all, uh, who have you who have you been the most impressed with thus far during fall camp?
1: Well, I think when you looked at the depth chart when they released that, you know, before fall camp started, there were nine guys on the depth chart. It was crazy. So, um, you know, right now you have Ryan Null as the starter. And then the one I've been really surprised with, and not so much surprised that he is is doing well, but just surprised at such an early age, is Artavis Pierce out of Florida. True freshman. Um, he is, you know, on the scene. And then Tim Cook is right there as well. So I really think those are your three, your big three with, with Ryan Nall, Tim Cook, and Artavis Pierce. I think we see some, you know, Seth Collins. We see some Paul Lucas kind of mixing things up. But Artavis Pierce has really shown, some wiggle, and uh, some really good straight-ahead running.
0: Now, we had a, we had Ryan Nall on my radio show. I want to say it was like last Thursday or Friday. And we asked Ryan Nall about it. And he was about as – I thought he gave us about a, a well-thought-out answer on this of just you can never have too much talent. Obviously, we know that, right? But he he's excited just for the fact of he thinks these are guys that push him to where if he doesn't perform how he thinks he can perform – he may lose his gig. Like, that's kind of the yeah, vibe that yeah. I got from him, and I think that's a great thing to have because this team really lacked, I thought, multiple weeks in that department. And, you know, the conversation about Ryan Nall and why he maybe he didn't get more snaps throughout the season, that's an entirely different conversation. But for all the hype about Ryan Nall, he likes what he's seen so much from Art Pierce and even a Tim Cook that he thinks one of those two guys, and probably Pierce given the kind of the the the, the youth that he has and being the year younger he thinks they, they kind of push him to the point where he fears for his job a little bit, and he thinks that's a good thing.
1: That is a good thing. I mean, think about, you know, when anytime you get too comfortable, whether it's your job or your, you know, your position in sports, it, people can become complacent. And so for, for Ryan Null to be pushed, I, you know, I think all those guys push each other then in the weight room. They're pushing each other on the field. Uh it, it's good for Oregon State football.
0: Yeah, Oregon State last year was 7th in the Pac-12 uh, in rushing offense. They averaged about 177 yards a game, just right under UCLA. And uh, ASU was there at 178. So it wasn't like they were the worst team in the Pac-12 at running the ball. But you still look and you say, if they're going to hit that over-under, which I think Vegas has it at 3.5, if they're going to go win four games this year, uh, given kind of the, the way their offense is, is put together, I, I think they're gonna have to jump up a slot or two and kind of surprise some people in that department.
1: Yeah, and, and Ryan Nall, and we you know we saw what happened with Oregon. He he's faster, I think, than most people think he is. And uh, just that strong, super powerful, you know, not gonna come down with, you know, an arm tackle kind of guy.
0: Okay, now let me ask you about Ryan Nall, because I think that's a really good point. Cause a lot of people bring up that Civil War game and say he went for 174 on 19 carries. He ran away from secondary players. First of all, Oregon's defense is was was horrendous last year. It was the worst in their program's history. It was the worst in the Pac twelve. Do you think they're really do you think maybe we should we should we should pause a little bit in terms of what our expectations are for Ryan Nall, or do you really buy into the way the season ended for him on that note? Leaves people with this optimism that may be a little high, uh, a little higher than what's realistic
1: well, two points on that. First of all, Oregon State fan needs really any reason right now to be optimistic. And they needed to you know, hold on to something, you know, some kind of a glimmer of hope after kind of a, a really disappointing last year. And then, with the Ducks, yes, their their defense wasn't good, but they have a ton of really good athletes on that defense, individual athletes. And, uh, you know, to see the speed that that Nall displayed against some of those guys was impressive. I think you have to really look at that. It wasn't like he was going against a bunch of a five 5.0 second 40 guys. These were, you know, really good athletes that uh, he was able to pull away from.
0: The other thing that I worry about, and I've kind of gotten into this with Beaver Fan before, uh I I just I can't help it. I I really do con- I'm concerned about him longevity-wise. Like can he be asked to take I, I don't know 15 to 20 carries a game and go the full workload of 12 games? Does he have that in him? I know he's a big kid. I know that. I get it. But it's one thing to go from last year where you basically got 10 carries in the first 7 games and then towards the end you got one game I want to say it was Colorado, where they gave you about 15 carries, and then you go to the Oregon game in the Civil War, and you get 19. It's one thing to go from that to a full workload. And I don't care your size. I think there's always kind of questions there. I admittedly worry a little bit about kind of his health there and, and, yeah. and him being able to last for 12 games.
1: No, I, I completely you know hear that. I mean, that's running back is such a brutal position to play. That's where I, I think... This is where I'm anxious to see what happens because if you go back to remember coach Riley, he always kind of picked a guy and he rode that, that guy all the way through the season. Very, you know, even when guys were maybe a little dinged up, he just, he kept it up and kept it up and really didn't rotate guys in and out. I want to see what coach Anderson does, what the offensive coordinators do. And, and, you know, do we see more Tim cook? Do we see some Artevis or do we see Seth Collins or Paul Lucas? And that you know that helps take some of that load off of Ryan Nall's shoulders.
0: Uh, how, how are you feeling right now in terms of what's behind him with Art Pierce and Tim Cook? Because you mentioned Tim Cook on the last podcast as the experienced guy who's about 6'1", 210. Art Pierce, not a small guy uh, himself. He's 5'11", 201. Uh, I, I'm curious right now, if you were to place a depth chart on the running back position, where would you rank Pierce and Cook behind Nall?
1: I would probably I, right now I had Tim Cook as two and Artavis at, at three. You know, Tim Cook. I don't know if many of our listeners remember, but last year on the very first damn podcast we had, I said he was going to be the guy, and then he got injured. Mm-hmm. So that um, I, I do think we see him. You know, if he can stay healthy, we see him get quite a few carries. Artavis is just kind of a different, little bit, uh, little shiftier. And then you, but then you throw in, you know, a smaller guy like Lucas. I, I just think the Beefs have a lot of weapons there that a lot of teams will overlook.
0: Yeah. So the running back depth, the big area uh, in question mark. I think for Oregon State, for for people outside of Ryan Nall, and again, Ryan Nall should still be a question mark for people. I think it's legitimately, uh, I think it's it's a it's an accurate kind of feeling of of not being maybe a hundred percent in of like just wondering about him. And look, I get it. Optimism for Oregon State fan. Uh, anything is a premium right now because the program won two games last year. I, I totally understand that part of it. Uh, I just think it's fair for fans out there that have question marks about guy like Ryan Nall. It's fair to have those question marks, but I do think the depth right now is putting them in a position that they haven't been in, I would say, three or four years. And I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I don't mean like you're going to go have Ryan Nall rush for 1,800 yards. That could happen, but I just feel like it's, it's, as, be, it's as good as it's been uh, in a while. It really feels that way.
1: It is. And, and that's just it. And, and that's kind of transitioning into our next topic. There are going to be so many new faces, both, you know, running back, defense. Um, that it, There's so many unknowns. You know, really, when you look at the uh, at the depth chart, wide receiver probably is the, the most known commodity of the, the entire group.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they had a scrimmage. So you mentioned kind of the young guys that are going to get some start and uh, get some starts and get some playing time this year. Uh, the scrimmage, which went on, what was that, last Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't get to talk about that much. I was reading uh, Brian Rathbone's scrimmage notes from uh, from that uh, about four days ago um, on beaverblitz.com and just kind of getting a recap of, of some of the plays and some of the players who were getting some looks. And that's the thing that we had briefly discussed on the last podcast. This is going to be a season where a lot of inexperienced freshmen are going to get their experience and get that opportunity to play.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, um, you know, it kind of leads into one of the questions I got, and it's probably a, a good time to talk about it. it. was Greg Harden on Twitter asked what the two-deep was going to look like at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's some changes there. I mean, there's some experienced guys, but, you know, I'm looking, you know, Bright Agwebu, he's really kind of stepped up. Coach Kloon has talked about his leadership and what, what he's brought, you know, some other familiar names, N'Galu, Jonathan Willis, Caleb Salo, they're right there in the mix as well. But then, you know, Titus Filauga, he moved from defensive end to linebacker spot. Then you have a ton of new guys. You have Wesley Payne, who I honestly, he's a JUCO transfer. I expect we see him starting, you know, if not first game, he'll be right there in the mix for, for playing time. He's an aggressive hard hitter. Everyone in in Arizona that I've spoken with that have seen him play both as a prep and at JUCO say he's, unbelievable. Yeah. Um and then you got some young guys, Shamar Smith. I interviewed him at uh, on the first scrimmage, I guess, a, a week ago Friday. Just I mean, the kid's put on like 30 pounds since he's been here. He got here in January. He's he's huge, he's aggressive. You have um a couple other younger guys that are right there, Andre Hughes, Murray, hamilcar Rashed. Um so some tons of new names for Beaver fans to learn, new numbers oh. to learn. If you're like me, you'll be looking at the field and and see a number and revert back to last year, who the guy who wore that number. So um, study the depth chart a little bit. Study that roster because there will be a lot of new names.
0: Yeah, I was talking to an individual that's not close in Gary Anderson's staff but kind of close to the program in general, uh, and they were telling, they were texting with me about Wesley Payne, and it's kind of just reiterating what you just said when you speak to the community college coaches about kind of the work ethic and attitude that he brings, which is a positive on the field. Uh, basically all I've heard is rave reviews. And yeah, and this
1: is a kid that he, in community college, needed to take 28 credit hours yeah. last term to to make it here for the summer, and he did. Yeah. So um, huge. And, I mean, with like a three three GPA.
0: And that, that's kind of what I was going to point out was they had mentioned because his workload at, at the community college was so so demanding that the fact that he was able to do that while also performing the way that he did and playing the way that he did... Uh, They just really kind of buy into this kid. So if you're going to look for names, there are a lot of names to look for this season, obviously with the inexperience and the youth. But Wesley Payne as an inside linebacker, I think is going to be tremendous for Oregon State. I wouldn't put it past him. I honestly feel this way based on the conversation I had with this individual. I would not put it past him where you're you're in week three of the season. You're still pretty early, but you're in week three. And the biggest name on defense that you hear is Wesley Payne.
1: I am right there with you and this is and like and like you said I mean I've heard this from so many people it's um yeah he both at Oregon State and in Arizona so he is definitely uh, a name that I have highlighted to watch
0: Yeah I'm real, I'm looking forward to what that kid can do and what kind of havoc he can cause the other one is a cuz a bright aguebu is awesome uh, but we saw him a little bit last year it sounds like there's been good reports coming out of camp in terms of his transition to being a more experienced guy and understanding uh, a little more of the philosophy, being more in the playbook. But another name, and this has kind of been the, the popular one, I think, for a lot of Oregon State fan, is the true freshman, uh, um, uh, Shamar Smith.
1: Shamar Smith, yeah. Shamar he, Smith
0: is going to be the name to watch for a lot of guys in terms of maybe the future at that position.
1: Yeah, he he wowed a lot of people during spring camp. And uh, just great kid. Um, big smile. I I interviewed him and just... Great spirit! I think he'll be one of Beaver Nation's favorites here before his career's over.
0: Now, from everything that you're hearing, and and you can read all these great practice reports and scrimmage summaries at beaverblitz.com. dot com. They're fantastic. They're in depth. They're, they give you all the information: first team, second and right, team, etc. We haven't,
1: we haven't even made them premium. All of our premium stuff has been on the in the lodge. So check up, check out everything we've done. Lots of lots of good information out there.
0: See, there you go. beaverblitz.com. dot com. From everything that you've heard, Angie, when you've gone down there, talk to your reporters. Uh, I'm curious because I'm starting to get this feel a little bit. I do feel like defensively, Oregon State was so bad last year. They gave up 37 points per game. Uh, it was a real struggle for Kalani Sataki to get that group to, you know, do basic things like understand coverages and, and just arm ta- – like it was just too much arm tackling, things like that. Are you getting a feel that with Clune and kind of some experience coming back for this group – are you getting a feel that maybe this defense is going to surprise most of the conference?
1: I, I definitely do. I, I, I think uh, you know, a lot of people will be surprised a lot by their size. Uh, this is a team that has worked tremendously hard in the weight room. They've added weight. They've added strength. Uh, and then just scheme. And we keep hearing over and over again that the defense is very complicated. But Coach Klune, one of his big underlying principles is making it easy for you just to know your position that there's a right way to do it and the wrong way to do it, depending on the play. And so they're not thinking about what their teammates are doing. They are worried about their own job. And so many have, you know, now we'll see what happens when they they land up against Minnesota, but they've all talked about making it easier for them to understand what their specific role is. And, uh, you know, Coach Kloon has, has had great success, whether it be at Hawaii or Utah State, in, in pretty quick fashion in, in getting these guys to understand what he expects
0: of them. Well, and I think a big area to circle too, it's not just defensive linemen. It's not just the linebacking core. It's going to be the secondary as well. And and you're right about Minnesota. Like for all the conversations we can have leading up to the season once a week, you know, this question, that question, breaking down this position group, that position group. I, I've been saying this the whole time. We are not going to know anything about Oregon state realistically until they kick things off with Minnesota. If they yeah. go into Minneapolis in that new football stadium, which is beautiful, by the way, and they go in there and they get their butts handed to them, I'm sorry. I'm all for people out there questioning this and questioning that because all we've heard is great things, and there's supposed to be improvement within the coaching staff. It's year two under Gary Anderson. The last thing I think Beaver Finn wants to see at this point is you go to Minnesota, and I think Minnesota, by the way, is a damn good football team, and anybody that tells you different is a freaking moron. This is a seven to eight win program this year. Has been consistent for the last few seasons, and they're bringing back their quarterback and head coach. If they go to Minnesota and they contend, uh, I think there is some stuff to buy into with that and going forward in this conference, because I think Minnesota is about where maybe a little lesser version of maybe Utah or or Arizona, where they would be at in the Pac-12. They'd be one of the kind of those those middle-ish Pac-12 teams that week in and week out, you never know. Maybe they surprise you, maybe they disappoint you, but that's really who Minnesota is in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and they're big, they're physical. It's just that brand of football. So Oregon State needs to be ready, both sides of the ball. And, and that game is really going to be won and lost in the trenches.
0: Yeah, and I just remember what I was originally going to say because I got sidetracked by my own thought there. Uh, we talked with uh, Daryl Gerritsen on my show, too. And I said, hey, if, if there's anybody on the defense— that leaves you pissed and he gets under your skin and maybe you jaw with him a little bit and has really impressed you who is it and we recorded it we, we have it as a drop down on our show it literally is a three second uh <laughs> and finally when he's done doing the uh he goes Treston Deku he says the kid has looked amazing all fall camp uh, him and Deku are friends, but he said he's picked him off a couple times. He's really upset him. They've trash-talked uh, trash one another. He says of everything that he's noticed, and there's been a lot of elements he's been surprised about, Tristan Deku with another year coming back, starting cornerback, has really impressed him.
1: Yeah, yeah, Tristan has, has played really well. You know, the secondary, well, it's a little thin with the loss of uh, Gabe Ogard and Cyril Nolan Lewis just recently, Um you know, you look at it, you got Brandon Arnold back, you got Treston, uh, Dwayne Williams is back. Um, so there's, you know, there's some talent coming back that it's not completely bare. But Treston is physical. He, he's loud. You know, he's, you know, it reminds me, Brandon, I think you might have been back there in the day of covering when James Rogers and James Dockery would go at it.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, uh, Do- Dockery still goes at it with people who aren't named James Rogers.
1: Yes, yes. But though that was some epic trash talk going on, just back and forth so um you know Tristan. i don't know if i'd put him in a james dockery category but uh he he does pretty well
0: yeah and he's got great size too he's 6'3 and he's like 200 plus pounds if i'm not mistaken so yeah
1: 208 is what he's listed he's a big kid yeah there you go and uh plays really aggressive so um it's going to be fun to to see how these guys have progressed that you know over a year
0: were you surprised that sarah nolan lewis left the program during the middle of fall camp
1: i was I was completely shocked, to be honest. I, I thought if he left, he would have left, you know, after spring, before summer. Um, great, great kid. If, you, know, I, I have, you know, I always have favorites every, you know, every year. There's recruits that kind of stand out and, or guys on the team that you know are kind of go-to guys that if you need a, a good, you know, if you have a question, um, they'll answer you off the record or on the record. Cyril was one of those guys. And uh, he tells me that as soon as he gets settled in his new home that he will uh, talk to Beaver Blitz and talk to me about what's going on. Um, but it does sound from sources I have that he is looking to play at Louisiana Tech and go home and play. Do you, so, think, um,
0: do you think there's more to it? I know you're gonna you're waiting on kind of the exclusive, but do you think there's more to it than just going home and playing for a, a school kind of close? Because that just, look, he's been here a couple years. It seems a, a little odd, does it not, to leave kind of in the middle of fall camp like that?
1: I, you know, I, I think it comes down to it's his senior year. He, he saw that he's kind of buried on the death chart. You know, this is a new staff bringing in their own guys um, you know, that's tough. That's, that's tough for these guys. And, you know, I, I interviewed Kendall Hill. And if you haven't been to Beaver Blitz and checked it out, I've tweeted it out. Seriously, he, Kendall's another one of these guys. It was one of uh, Cyril's best friends. And Kendall spoke with me five minutes on video. Um, he's broken up. You know, this is one of his best friends. And, and now he's had to say goodbye to Chris Brown, to Malik Gilmore, all mm-hmm. these guys he came in with. Um, and And it's hard, especially, you know, when a new staff comes in and has a different idea of what they're looking for in a player. But, um, you know, he's grinding. He says, you know, I'm totally, I I, want to be a starter, but I also know that I'm a role player on this team and I'll do whatever it takes. But uh, I was, I was shocked that he left when he did. So, um, but, you know, wish him nothing but the best. Great, great young man.
0: When I saw you were tweeting about uh, Christian Wallace and uh, Isaac Garcia, those are two big names as well, because they were being held for academic reasons. Uh, What is the latest for people who haven't heard with those two?
1: Isaac Garcia is in school. He he got into school last week to start at the best program with a kind of like the bridge program that they do. Um he had to be acclimated so it's like a 3-day period where you know it's like it's shorts and t-shirt first and then they can wear shells before they can actually full-time practice. Um but he is now back with the team. Christian Wallace was a really strange one. It was um you know he was with the team all summer. He's been mm-hmm. practicing um was cleared was, you know, deemed eligible and from what I hear, it basically came down, NC2A came back and said he was one credit shy. So he is home in Texas just working on, on that one credit, and uh, the staff hopes that he is back soon, sooner rather than later.
0: Are we thinking he's going to be back soon?
1: He should. He should. Um, I don't know a timetable, but um, you know, you, you can never put a timetable to when the NC2A is involved, but yeah. um, he is expected back. So you know, calm down, Beaver Nation. Take a little <laughs> deep breath, and... You know, Isaac had told me he was going to be back, or going to be in Corvallis a week before he showed up. You're dealing with, uh, you know, the NC2A. Sometimes things are a little slower than uh, coaches and fans would like. But um, all reports I have heard is yes, Oregon State does expect Christian Wallace to be back with the team.
0: All right, let's move to the sexy side of the ball. That's the quarterback position and the uh, the guy running the offense. We know Daryl Gerritsen is going to be the guy with the reins for the Oregon State program. Uh, I'm I'm feeling more confident about him. I, last year, I think a lot of listeners and people will go back and forth, and that's fine. That's the beauty of uh, doing a podcast like this. I would go back and forth with people of like, hey, like I get it. Like, you don't think Seth Collins is playing very well, but be careful because at the end of the day, he's the best athlete they have, and I don't know what other options you have. Now, I thought I did think that uh, uh, Dave Baldwin and the rest of that that staff did a great job, especially specifically the Civil War game of figuring out packages where Collins would, would kind of be lined up right next to the quarterback and at times do quarterback keepers and take handoffs and mix them in. And I think they've kind of figured out what they want to do with Seth Collins at wide receiver because he had a great uh, scrimmage that they had last week. But at the quarterback position, I do wonder behind Daryl Garrettson, and again, no, it's always a question mark with health in football, Behind him, you got Marcus uh, Marcus McMarion and a guy that most people have assumed and may still assume, uh, Mason Moran, who was gonna redshirt for most people. Both kind of see him uh, seem to be in contention for that backup spot.
1: Yeah, Marcus will be the the backup. Um, He has shown. um, You know, I I talked with Coach Anderson uh, Thursday and said, you know, he said that Marcus has had his best full week of practice and just one after the other. Um, Mason has really come along though, and. You know, here's you know he threw an interception Thursday at the scrimmage and was able to bounce right back from that. But ideally, you want Mason Moran to redshirt um, just to, you know, get another year under his belt learning the system. He will be, you know, more than likely they will have to suit him up and travel with him just as a ready, kind of a ready list kind of guy. Just if, if the unthinkable happens, it's not so, even so much unthinkable, I guess, in today's day and age where if you go two quarterbacks down, you would need to uh, go third man up.
0: So what have you been impressed with with Marcus, uh, Marcus McMarion then from last year to this year based on what you've seen thus far?
1: He, he seems to be making way quicker decisions, and gosh, you know, he has some wheels. I've seen him take, you know, quarterback keepers or, you know, play breaks down, and he'll take off, and uh, he looks a lot faster than I expected him to look.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of his development as well because, again, Daryl Gerritsen, he goes down, that's your quarterback. So to see if he can make that improvement... Uh, from last year to, to where he is this year. That's going to be important. Daryl Garrettson, what did you make of his scrimmage as well?
1: You know, I, I've seen him several times where I thought he struggled. This last week, he did, he looked good in the, the early part of you know the scrimmage they used him on. This last scrimmage was really for the young guys to kind of figure out those last, like who's redshirting, who's going to be on the travel squad. But um, he just makes really good decisions. And what I what really stands out to me is just his leadership ability. He is the type of guy that, is constantly on the sideline talking to everyone, whether it's linemen, running backs, receivers, defense. He's right there in the mix, and that can't be discounted. It's a really important trait that quarterbacks need to have.
0: You know, the feeling I get, because I've interviewed him twice now on my radio show, uh, the feeling I really get when I talk to him is just kind of that um, it's a confidence in a quarterback that you want to hear, you want to see, you want to have.
1: Yeah, he and, definitely has confidence.
0: Yeah, he does. Like, he's a kid that I think he knows. I think he, he's just confident in what he is for this program. Like, he is kind of the transition quarterback, but he's also a guy that wants to prove people wrong, go out there and try to make a bowl game before he leaves Corvallis. And I think he understands that to the full extent. And and necessarily, like, when you go back necessarily to the, the past for Oregon State, they didn't have that. Like, even with... Even with Sean Mannion, like, Sean Mannion kind of had this element of the first couple years is like, eh, quiet, Sean Mannion. I'm just here. I'm going to do what I can. But the last couple of years, it felt like there was a little more, I don't know, confidence in the way that Sean would talk about the offense and how they didn't execute versus how they executed. And Mm -hmm. I I totally get that from Daryl Gerritsen when I talk to him. Like, this is a kid that started for Utah State, took over for Chucky Keaton, who got hurt, had some really good games. Then he gets hurt. Then he transfers because Gary Anderson's kind of his guy, the Utah State connection. And I just, I liked the confidence that I've gotten from having conversations with him. You talk to certain people down there, and they've really been impressed with what they've seen from him. And I've kind of gone full swing from, you know, questioning Daryl Gerritsen as the starter. Look, I still want to see it in a game to feeling a little more confident about where this team is with, at the quarterback position.
1: And, and, you know, that's, I think, really where this comes down to is. This was Coach McGivens. I mean, this is his guy. This is, you know, who he, this has been, he's been penciled in, Garrettson as the quarterback since he came here. So um, there's that confidence with the coaching staff as well. So that's hugely important.
0: Yeah. Um, what is the most important, because I don't want to turn this too much into the Brandon Interviews Angie podcast, but I am kind of curious to get your thoughts on this since we haven't talked in two weeks. What is the storyline Angie Machado is most intrigued by?
1: intrigued by huh well i'm i'm really anxious to see really the front seven on defense and see how it shapes up who the starters are and just if they can get you know a good push that's you know that and the o-line i think the o-line is a question as well but um that storyline with the defensive front seven is Kind of, uh, I, I think that's a make or break for this team this year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And you what, know,
1: what about you? What would your, um, you know, storyline be?
0: Um, probably Nick Nick, Nick Perebsky. Could he be Pac-12 Player okay. of the Year? You know, could he emerge in that uh, that category? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, I, I like Perebsky. Look, I, I think the front seven is a good go-to, um, simply for the fact of just how god awful they were last year. Uh, I thought a lot of the secondary concerns or people who are upset with the secondary, I thought that was misplaced. I, I thought a lot of that was kind of on that front seven.
1: Yeah, and, exactly. And, and
0: kind of the lack of production and, and tackling that they were able to do last year. So I'm with you on that. Uh, if I had to pick a spot, y- you know, it's going to be the offensive line. Uh, I yeah. think there's a lot of questions on the offensive line. And, you know, Dustin Stanton is kind of anchoring it, as put by Daryl Garrison. A lot of people, and I was kind of one of them, had kind of just penciled in offensive line going to be better this year. But I just wonder because you got uh, you got Harlow, um, um, you got um, um, why is his name escaping me right now? Um,
1: Will Hopkins?
0: Hopkins. I mean, you you got some. There's there's question marks. I think in different areas of just is this guy going to play versus how is this guy going to play when he gets that opportunity. And I'll be honest, like, I, I just, I wonder about the offensive line the most of all the position groups.
1: Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's, that's when you asked me that question, I was kind of going back and forth, but I went defense, but, you know, that was another question we got from two, two brains and actually a couple other people on Twitter ask as well is, will we see Harlow this year? And I'm, I'm going to say no. I, I think we see him redshirt this year, but that's, you know, what I'm going off
0: yeah, of. Yeah, you broke that news. You said Sean Harlow yeah. is going to redshirt. I like that prediction.
1: So, i'm I'm still sticking with it. He's doing some practicing with the team, but he is not going on any of the live stuff still. So, um, you know, I think we see Blake Brandell. Mm-hmm. Will Hopkins has been dealing with a concussion issue. So um he hasn't practiced a ton, But, you know, he'll be right in the mix when he's back. But uh, and then Yanni, the Majeranis, he I think he's getting a little better, but gosh, that first two weeks of practice, he really struggled with his snaps. And you can't have that at center.
0: Uh, if I had to ask you this, because I'm going to anyway, where would you place, what what's the what's the offensive line going to be? I know we got the two deep originally, but that was like a month ago. Do you think it stays the same from what we got, or do you think it changes come week one versus Minnesota?
1: I, you know, right now, I, I, it's pretty close. So Dustin Stanton at right tackle, Gavin Andrews right guard, Yanni at center, uh, Fred Lawina at left guard, and then Blake Brandell at left tackle. So um, that's kind of the starter's right now as I see them. But you know, we've seen Gavin Andrews do a little bit of center. We've seen Cammy Delp at center a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but I think Yanni is, is the guy. He's been taking the majority of the snaps.
0: So are we disappointed Kearsley's not in it more?
1: Yeah, I you know, I really don't know what's up with that. That's just been a bizarre I know he was injured, uh did not travel with the team to bend. But I especially for the Portland area. But that's the local that, kid, you know? a local kid, you know, so um, an interesting story there, but um, I, can't, I, I think right now he needs to get healthy.
0: I can't tell you. Well, I think you're right on that, but I can't tell you. I went to probably five or six Thomas Tyner games his last year for mm-hmm. our uh, radio station, and first of all, Alo is really close to where I live, so I kind of wanted to just check it out. You know, watching his runs, it was always amazing. Like, I got why people would be entrenched with the kid. His speed, size, the power. He'd have these breakaway runs of 60 yards and be like, this is, a, this is like not even fair for some of these high school kids to face against. But a lot of people, what they didn't talk about was he had Braden Kearsley on the left side, opening up holes wide open for him to run through. And yeah. when he went to BYU, I know a lot of people locally were kind of disappointed that he would come and commit with Mike Riley and go to Oregon State. Um, and he went to BYU and obviously it didn't work out. I think there are, there's some people out there that had the assumption that, oh, he transferred back, he'll sit out a year, and he'll be a starting offensive lineman on this team. And you're right, the injuries are a big concern, but 6'4", 307 pounds, he's not the biggest guy in their depth chart. But again, he's the local kid, so I think a lot of people always have kind of an interest and uh, curiosity with where he's at right now.
1: Definitely, yeah. So he's definitely on the watch list, but uh, right now it's Yanni. Yanni's the guy.
0: Yeah, I think offensive line is probably my biggest concern or biggest question mark. Uh, as especially you with forward. the
1: depth. You know, especially with the depth. There's just not a lot of it.
0: So. Well, and I wonder, too, because Gary Anderson's shown us this in year one, he's not past still experimenting and tinkering with things. I don't like that necessarily once games get going. Like, fall camp is your time to do that. But when games yeah. get going, it's like, all right, pick your groups, pick your starters, pick your guys, and stick with it. Like I hated I hated the narrative and I like Gary Anderson. I'm giving him all of all of the benefit of the doubt. I hated the way that they tried to spin, well, you know, McMarion and Seth Collins and uh and Nick Mitchell like we really have three quarterbacks here and we're going to play two of them all season. Like that's not a bad thing. Like no, when you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks.
1: Exactly. Pick and a
0: starter and go with
1: quarterbacks- it. Quarterbacks, no line is where you need to have that gel. Yes. And uh, you need
0: the continuity, right? You got to have your guys blend. You have that chemistry that, you know, if the guard sees something that the tackle's dealing with, he kind of instinctively rolls over to help him a little bit. Like that matters on the offensive line. And so I'm going to be really curious. And I think fans out there should be watching this. Come week one, watch the offensive line. If he can stick with the group in week one, and granted, performance is going to be huge for him. But if he sticks with it, I'm going to be satisfied. And even if they struggle a little bit, I kind of still want to see you go two or three games before you think you have to make a change. Like, allow these guys to have game reps and go out there and show you. If they can't get it done, then I'm all for it. Fine, you have to you have to pull the plug. This isn't going to be your season anyway. But I really want to see him have that continuity on the offensive line.
1: I, I agree. Like I said, the and quarterback... Would you,
0: team, you stop agreeing with about... me? We're supposed no. to disagree.
1: <laughs> I disagree. But uh, it's really those... <laughs> those six positions are the ones where you really need that continuity. You can't be switching quarterbacks. I mean, snap counts can even vary. And, and just different inflections, you just need the continuity. So, yes, uh, I agree. Goodness gracious, Brandon. We're agreeing on everything. It's just crazy.
0: I know, it's ridiculous. Okay, uh, let's answer a few questions. We missed that on the last podcast. I'm sorry we were rambling about Dennis Erickson versus Mike Riley. Uh, by the way, I appreciate all the tweets that we got on that one. A couple A uh, couple people tweet me um. Some, I, they,
1: and they agreed with me.
0: Well, some people agreed with you, but you. I, there were a couple I didn't have where you were in the tweet, but they were like, "Yeah, she's totally right." And yeah, I think it's revisionist history. We just don't like Mike Riley right now. It's all right, all you Riley haters out there. <laughs> I'll tell him you said hi when I go to that game in September. Um, let's do some damn uh, some damn questions.
1: Okay, I got one from Travis Rice. This is actually a, a is a pretty good question, and we get it on Beaver Blitz a lot. You know, just like the debate, the sit versus stand debate
0: the and sit is versus there,
1: stand in the stadium fans
0: oh oh okay okay
1: so when is it okay to stand is there a is there a protocol out there that it's okay to stand is it is it rude travis rice asked this question okay
0: great first of all travis is a great guy does has done great work for buberblitz.com um this is almost kind of like a how are we answering this are we answering from the student perspective
1: no, you're answering as an adult. Like you are booster going to a game. You paid, okay. you know, $500 right. for a seat.
0: So I'm in the seat. I'm on the old side of the stadium on the alumni section. This is kind of my, this is just who I am as a fan. Game to game, it it kind of always, it, it fluctuates. Like it really does because at kickoff, I get standing, right? Yeah. The yeah. first The first play, if the collective is standing, I'm fine with that. After that, I'm really a sit until there's a big play. Like, if there's a breakaway run or there's a 45-yard bomb, you kind of, like, uh, that standing, uh, collective sound that the crowd makes, and then you roar, I'm all for that. Like, that's when you stand. But for the most part, outside of kickoff, and I say the last minute and a half, two minutes, mostly sit.
1: Okay, but what happens, okay, you have goal line stand, and everyone around you sitting well, on their hands. well, if, if,
0: if everybody worry about them, no, if, if you have a goal line stand in every, are you saying everybody sit or stands everybody's
1: up? Sitting. Everybody's sitting and you're standing and you want to yell and and scream your head off.
0: You see now this is where I, I may disagree with people. You only stand if you're not blocking somebody, you have to be okay. considerate of somebody else. Otherwise you are either going to be vilified or you're going to be the guy who starts the entire section of standing because guy behind you has to stand, which leads to guy behind them having to stand, girl behind him, girl behind her, guy behind her, her behind him. Like, you're either going to start it or everybody is going to be really pissed at you. Yeah. So goal line situation, like, I get it, and I feel like usually people in those matters, uh, they tend to just stand for the goal line. But again, outside of kickoff and special circumstances and the end of ball games, I think most people understand it's sit. You sit. You clap, you <laughs> sit. You know, standing is a it's a routine. That's a student thing. You know, those kids are warm, they're drunk, and a lot of adults get drunk too. But that's that's kind of part of the student package. You got you gotta stand. You know, I can't tell you how many games I went to as a student. I stood the whole time. I didn't sit at all. I stood. But I've gone down as an adult, and I was at the Weber State game last year in the section. I was sat on the new section just above the students, and I sat with a bunch of fans, and we mainly just sat the whole time, you know. Yeah. Where do you come in with this?
1: I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I get that, but I'm also you know, if you're in a football game, I'm, it, and it, I guess it depends too on there's there's obnoxious fans out there that might be intoxicated or and they're staying to be ignorant and be stupid. But, um, you know, at the same time then, you're at a football game. Maybe you need to, you know, not sit on your hands the whole time too.
0: Yeah, I'm with that. I kind of just feel it's a lot like basketball games. Like anybody that goes to a Blazer game, a Beaver Beaver game, whatever other game, I feel they're kind of the same. Like you, you, you stand a little bit at the tip, then you kind of settle into your seat, you're cheering, you're roaring, there's a fast break, you, everybody kind of stands up to watch the finish, the slam dunk. I feel like football is kind of the same. Like I feel like there's – an unwritten etiquette that most people who go to sporting events kind of understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I there's a lot it. of ebbs and flows with sporting events. So I don't. I I know that kind of doesn't answer the question, but I really do feel like because of the way circumstances are in different games, it really does fluctuate. It does change. Yeah. Um, I did have a question for you before we get to one more another question with uh, some of the listeners out there. Okay. This terrace thing. This whole—they're opening the terrace this year. Yes. What have you made of it? Because we got the price points, and I, I find the whole thing very interesting. Like there are people legitimately who don't—they're not welcoming this. They don't like this idea of a terrace, and you're getting rid of kind of the the quote-unquote family section, so you could put booze in. What have you made of the whole terrace thing?
1: I think it's expensive. I mean, I, I you know it's an eight hundred dollar donation per seat, but you know, it's, it's something different. It's outside the box. Yes, there's the other end zones. So there's still family areas to sit, and you know, there it's it's highlighting Oregon beer and wine and cheese and food. I mean, it's 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 a totally different experience. I, I keep asking them, though. I I keep trying. You know, I mean, I sit in the press box and it's quiet, and you know, I have great. Oh, sight the press lines. box sucks. It's great, but I keep telling I keep telling the SID's I'm like, "Come on, you know, I will be I will take one for the team and I will cover the game from the terrace." <laughs> because I swear to god, my tweets are so much wittier when I've had a beer or a glass of wine.
0: Look at you trying to get some no, booze.
1: No, buddy, nobody is buying it. Look. I'm like, "Oh, come on, I will do it. I'll- I I can write I will sacrifice sightlines to Give fans an experience from there. But okay. I, I know some people have been upset because I say it's too um, exclusive because you need to have a wristband. That's all because of the fire marshal. I mean, it's all they can't have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, maybe selling. See, my, my idea, and we had a big discussion on, in the lodge at Beaver Blitz about this is, you know, why not sell alcohol in the stadium and close the reentry policy?
0: Yeah, I don't know how many people would be down for that, though. See, here's the funny part. That sounds good in theory. I've run this across people and just in my building, like who I work with. Random Coug fan, uh, fan, random uh, Husky fan. I got a UCLA fan. And I've ran this idea by, like, what if you gave booze to the stadium? Like, Washington State just did this. They're going to sell booze now. But then we told the Coug fan... We said, oh, but there's no leaving. There's no re-entrance into the stadium. You can't leave. So basically, you're signed up to get booze, but you have to stay there the whole time. And he goes, I oh, don't know if I like that. Because a lot of people like to go back to their trailers, their setups, stand in front of the propane heaters, and do their own boozing and have their own kind of halftime show.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: I don't know if a lot of people like spending 7 $8 on a beer. But the deal is that you can't leave the stadium. Like, I don't know if if people value that. Which, by the way, you're advocating to sit in the booze section to report and do your media thing. Why don't you just have a couple beers before you go to the press box? There you go. That's what I do.
1: Maybe I should. I should start hanging out with you, Brandon.
0: Well, yeah, I just... Like
1: I said, my my, my tweets would be so much wittier. My posts would be so, you know...
0: I can't honestly... (laughs) So
1: so much more fun.
0: I just can't... uh... I can't to handle the pretentiousness of that press box sometimes. So sometimes yeah. I will go have a couple pops. Yeah. yeah like, it's... there are certain media members and just certain people that show up to these things. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I This is going to sound really douchey. I hope not. But why, why the fuck are we wearing full suits to college football games? Like, who are we? What are we yeah. doing here? Like, yeah. I, you're not...
1: <laughs> I, I don't mind the clothing. It's, what bothers me are people in the press box that... Don't watch the game and sit and talk to each other the entire
0: game. You get that. Uh, I really enjoy, you know what I enjoy is like if I'm engaging into a conversation with a media member, like, oh, what did you think of that play? Eh, I don't know about that one. I like full on media guy and I'm not naming names. I think you know who I'm talking about. And I'm sorry for listeners, a little insider. There are certain media members, plural, that legitimately question almost the entire coaching plan. And it's yeah. it's oh, yeah. really fascinating to me of like, huh, we think we could go down there and do this better ourselves. This is interesting.
1: Oh, I flat out, no, I couldn't. But that's why I'm doing what I do, and I'm not making $2 million a year to do it.
0: Yeah, well, that's why all the pressure's on them. Exactly. All right, sorry for interrupting the Q&A there. I just, the terrace is opening. We've gotten yeah, a lot I, of good reaction on a radio fun. show, and I'm, I'm Don't curious. Don't you think it looks fun? I think it look we yeah we played the game one word to describe it necessary you have to do things like this I'm sorry oh. but the reality is with Oregon State for people who always ask me because I'm you know I do a radio show in Portland like I'll get a, why do you talk so much ducks or why do you why do you talk this like it's just a reality there are two in program I'd love to talk about them more but the metrics just say that they don't they don't attract the same way that this program or that program do does right. Things like this get people talking about your program. Now, winning is ultimately going to be the biggest factor. But but these kinds of things get us talking about. They get the majority of media who's not just Oregon State-centric. They get them talking about your program. These are great additions to your stadium. And I know I get it. The family section. Look, they've kind of moved the family section to the uh, near where the visiting fans sit now, on the opposite side. But... I think these kinds of things are necessary. I'm a guy that personally, I love games. I do. But I'm also a huge college football fan. And I know a lot of you Beaver fans out there are as well. You love to watch Notre Dame, Texas. You love to watch USC, Bama, Florida State, Clemson, any other game. When you commit to an Oregon State game, you're committing to basically missing the entire day of college football. That's a big commitment for a lot of people. I'm kind of one of them at times. So if you can enhance my experience there by offering me local restaurants, local foods, uh, brews outside of just Coors Light, if I'm going to commit to a day down there, that's a great experience to have.
1: Yeah, and the stadium is going to look, I mean, that's the old side. This is a discussion for another day, but that needs to be done. But sitting on the old side, the press box side, and looking at the Valley Center and when they get the new auditorium built, and, you know, all that, and then looking across to the new side of the stadium, it's looking more and more like a, a big-time college football stadium.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I just—I I get the the against conversation. I get it. I do. I'm just telling you from my perspective as a media member and even as a fan, uh, kind of just how I view it, like where I weigh in of, you know, well, yeah, I'm talking I mean, about you I, and it's better for me.
1: I, I was— part of the fundraising team of, of raising research and that loge section I mean, people were confused. And what is that? And, Oh, it's too exclusive. And it's too, that was one of the greatest things that they ever could have done. And so many other programs now have copied it because it's been such a huge success.
0: Well, and that's the other thing too, to monitor, like go look at Oregon state doing this terrace thing. And this may not be groundbreaking stuff like the Dallas Cowboys have one in their stadium, but in college football in the pack, 12, uh, your your arch nemesis has one inside. This is perfect. This is right behind the end zone outside for so many games in the in the beginning of the season. It's beautiful weather in this area, November, into September. Like we have great weather here. Those are gonna be nice. Like there's gonna be games where it's six sixty five, seventy degrees. You're gonna tell me it's not gonna be nice to be kind of moseying around with a good brew in your hand and some good food. Like that's a great thing. That I think other programs are going to take, just like I thought. The uh, was it called the squad? The ticket package? Yes,
1: the ticket package for, for people you, that for are
0: yeah, ten years, uh, ten years or under as an alum, twenty dollars a month, and you get to go to any all the football games and any other sporting event you want. That's an idea that people are going to steal from Oregon State. That again, you get to claim kind of as your own. So, hate it or love it, this is this is new age sports. This is how we are going to consume sports in person. Because the TV viewing experience is so much better.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. You got another question?
1: Um, I have one from two weeks ago with Marcus Russell asking, how does Seth Collins look? And um, from the times I have seen him, Marcus, and the rest of Beaver Nation, he's looked really, really good. He's coming along. He's learning his routes. And, I mean, the kid is just athletic as all get out. Seriously. I mean, he can make things happen and very fun to see.
0: Yeah, based off what I've read, what I've heard, uh, it seems like he's making a good transition. And uh, I'm excited to see it. I mean, I think we got a very, very small glimpse at the Civil War of what he's capable of. We knew he was a great athlete, uh, but you put him in the right uh, packages and get him the ball. Man, he he is a fun player to watch. I'm really looking forward to kind of his transition outside of the quarterback position. Yeah,
1: it's it's definitely, um, it'll be fun. It'll see what he can do.
0: You got any more questions?
1: That's all I have. Because I kind of answered, we answered about the Harlow, and we talked about the two deep and linebackers,
0: so. I'm looking at my Twitter. It looks like we answered a lot of them without asking them. (laughs) All right, well, anything else we're missing? No,
1: I think that's it. We'll be back uh, next Wednesday, right before the uh, kick, or before the Beavers uh, take on Minnesota.
0: Yeah, we are going to, uh, so we didn't give you a date last time. We are going to be aiming for every single Wednesday, of doing a new damn podcast. I think different schedules for whatever. If something pops up for Angie, we'll give you the heads up on Twitter, at Angie Machado1, at Brandon Sprague. We'll tweet it out, um, and we'll let you know that, hey, we're doing it on this day. But for the most part, all season long, it should be every single Wednesday. And here's the crazy part, Beaver fan and Angie. By this time next week on a Wednesday, when we're recording the podcast, we'll be one day away from kickoff. I cannot believe so it. So
1: exciting. And and seriously, I got so excited when I looked at the slate of games for Labor Day weekend. Oh, my gosh. So the Beaver game is going to be done. Yep. And then we can just sit and watch games all day. Like, oh, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going
0: to be good. It's going to be awesome. so glorious. How is, by the way, have you heard uh, the travel to, uh, to Minneapolis? How's that going? Do you think a lot of people are heading?
1: I think a lot of people are going. Uh, I know there's a big group of blitzers going, um, heading back. The team leaves on Tuesday of next week, so they'll have an extra day back there to kind of get acclimated to time and uh no I, th- I think beaver nation shows up well for this game
0: that is fantastic all right so hopefully we uh we addressed everything that you guys wanted us to talk about we talked a little about the scrimmage quarterback running back depth offensive line front seven the terrace answered a couple questions uh if you guys ever have any questions don't hesitate to tweet us at angie machado one and at brandon sprague that's going to do it for this week's edition of the damn podcast again we're going to be back next wednesday one day before the Beavers finally kick off their season against the Minnesota Goofers, eh? The Minnesota Gophers. It's time the to Gofers. kick off football season. I can't wait. Gophers versus Beavers. It's going to be great. Catch it, SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Damn Podcast. Hey, guys, Brandon Sprague sticking around here. Uh, Thank you for listening to the damn podcast. By the way, I just want to tell you, if you're going to continue to listen, we appreciate that, Angie and I do. Please go to iTunes, hit subscribe, and when you do, please rate them. Please give us five stars, comment on our stuff. Even if you think I'm an idiot, even if you don't like Angie, let us know, comment, and give us that five stars. We're doing this out of the, uh, the goodness of our hearts. We need those ratings. We need those comments. Thank you very much.